Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things. And sometimes that means murder. Just because a story starts out with Once Upon a Time doesn't mean it ends happily ever after. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producers Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. Episode 47, The Case of the Eye Drops, The Staircase, and The Copycat Killer. Steve Clayton was always looking for more. Growing up in Florida, he dealt with childhood hardships but was committed to making something of himself. Steve worked his way through college as a construction laborer. After graduating, he became a well-respected accountant in North Carolina. But Steve had bigger aspirations for his life. He had an idea for a business in the 1980s and ended up quitting his job and creating a highly successful physical therapy business that targeted sports therapy. Described as a visionary and a brilliant business strategist who had a passion for learning and critical thinking, Steve's idea took off and he was able to retire in 1995 at the age of 40. And yet, through all this success, Steve still wanted more. He vowed to travel the world learning more about wine, music, and art, three things he was passionate about. He also vowed to think of new business ideas that would help better people's lives. In 2010, everything changed when he met a woman named Lana online. A nurse by trade, Lana was sweet and caring. 
For once in his life, Steve didn't want anything else. With Lana, he had it all. Three years after meeting, the couple got married and built a life together. They moved from North to South Carolina into a palatial waterfront mansion. It came to be known as the Clayton Estate. Built on the shore of Lake Wiley, the home boasted expansive views, a chef's kitchen, and a grand staircase. The home was modeled after President Washington's famed Mount Vernon estate, and the Claytons made good use of the property. Steve and Lana were known to host lavish parties with friends and family. The home was described as full, the kind you were always welcome at and wanted to be in. Here's Jeff. While Steve was independently wealthy and retired because of his physical therapy business, Lana was a hardworking nurse. She was working at the Department of Veterans Affairs in Charlotte when she met Steve. After the couple moved from South to North Carolina, she continued to work at the Veterans Hospital and commuted about 40 minutes each way. Steve's family was actually really excited that she was a nurse because he was a bit of a bigger guy and not necessarily in the best of shape. And so they felt good that he was with someone who was a medical professional and should something happen to him or he was in any sort of medical crisis, Lana would be able to take really good care of him. And while Lana had been married once before, her close friends said that she really didn't seem anything but happy when they met. We're looking at this photograph. They look so warm and comfortable together. He's very tall, wearing a white shirt. She's leaning in. She's a brunette also with her hair up and long, pretty earrings. And they look very at ease together. Yes, Steph, we'll actually post this picture on our Instagram at KT underscore studios. Steven was described as magnanimous. He had a huge personality, and not only did he have a really close circle of friends, but he also had a very long relationship history. He had been married six or seven times, so many times that his family members say they lost count, but they would say that lovingly. And despite being a serial groom, it seemed that Steve just really loved being in love. And Lana, to him, was his perfect match at last. She was head over heels in love with him, and it was mutual. She was known to apparently kiss him on the forehead and often said she loved him. On July 4th, 2018, the couple hosted an epic 4th of July bash. At the party, as their loved ones watched, Steve and Lana danced in the grass. The night ended in fireworks, but the real show would come just a few weeks later. On July 21st, 2018, Lana was seen running out of the house, desperately waving for help. She flagged down a neighbor and in a breathless panic managed to tell them her husband had fallen down the stairs. Lana pleaded for the neighbor to call 911. When first responders arrived, they found 64-year-old Steve Clayton dead at the bottom of the home's grand staircase. Over him was Lana, sobbing. The immediate aftermath was caught on police body cams. Take a listen. Just kind of having guilt trip about oh, no. not checking on him. I'm just so, take a look to see if you yes, see sir. any signs of him falling or anything. Okay. okay. No. Anything was okay? Pretty much, pretty much. There's. You can't no. blame yourself for any of this. Oh, no, not at all. As you can hear, Lana's neighbor is explaining to the police that she was feeling immediate guilt about her husband's death. I mean, she was a nurse and his wife, so I would imagine she would be feeling pretty badly about not having taken care of him or allowing him to somehow get in the state that he was in. As you remember, Steve's family liked that he married a nurse because it meant he would be taken care of. But sometimes we can only do so much. When the police began to get more information, it seemed that Steve had been sick before his death. 
According to Lana, he had come down with vertigo three days before falling down the stairs. Vertigo is the sensation that you or the environment around you are moving or spinning. It can be very disorienting and really an awful thing to deal with. Steve had also been dealing with severe nausea, which is a common symptom of vertigo. When the detectives looked around the house, the primary bedroom, which was located on the second floor, was a complete mess. The bed was covered in urine and sweat. It was clear that Steve had been severely bedridden. Lana told police that she had checked on Steve that morning and he was sound asleep. So as usual, she made sure he had his water and his medications, and then she went outside to do some yard work. When she came back inside from doing the yard work, she found him at the bottom of the stairs. That's when she ran outside and flagged down the neighbor. As the police began to piece together what happened, Lana was just beside herself. She had asked police to pray over Steve's body, and it seemed like she was blaming herself for his death. The police ended up ruling Steve's cause of death as a heart attack, and the whole thing looked like a tragic accident, and there was nothing suspicious about it. A few days later, Lana held a funeral for Steve in the home's backyard. Friends and family gathered to remember the larger-than-life man who was gone far too soon. Steve's family made a public statement that read, The family is shocked and mortified at the cause of Stephen's death. All of our family and friends know how much he loved his wife, Lana, and how devoted he was to her. We are all still trying to process this. And while publicly, Steve's family was very supportive about Lana, behind closed doors, there definitely were some looming questions. First of all, why didn't Lana call 911 herself? There were at least two phones in the house, and yet she ran down the street, wasting maybe what could have been very valuable time. Obviously, this is a tragic situation, so none of us really know how we would behave in this situation, but she was also a trained nurse. Another phone-related mystery was Steve's cell phone. No one could find it, and he was known to always be that kind of a person who was near their phone, but when police searched for it, they even couldn't locate it. And remember, Lana was a nurse, so why didn't she perform CPR and attempt any life-saving procedures? One last thing also that didn't sit well with Steve's family. Days after his death, when the police asked Lana what her plans were for his burial, she balked at them and said, I'm in crisis right now, I can't be asked these questions, and she had no idea. However, when the cops said that they wanted to test Steve's body back at the lab, she seemed to suddenly have a really big plan in her mind and decided right then and there that she wanted to have her husband's body cremated. That's a big deal because once cremated, there's really no way to test for clues. A possible explanation for Lana's sudden flip-flop was what she told Steve's family. According to her, Steve had a dark secret. She said that Steve was a hard drug user and that would explain why she didn't want an autopsy. His family was shocked as they had never known him to use any sort of drug and were completely surprised that she was bringing it up now after his death. It also seemed that that once loving marriage might not have been as happy as it appeared. According to a friend, two months before he was found dead at the bottom of the stairs, Steve had been saying that he and Lana's relationship was kind of in trouble. He apparently said he wasn't happy with Lana and everything he thought was true was not. Back to after Steve's death, as Lana was working with his nephew, Chris, to figure out the estate. Chris told Lana that they needed to go over his will to make sure it was all being handled properly. And Lana's response surprised him. She very firmly told Chris that there was in fact no will. But Chris, the nephew, was adamant that he had seen the will and that she was wrong. But at this point, what could he do? 
and the family at this point is suspicious. They actually came together and went behind Lana's back and demanded to have an autopsy. While usually a coroner would listen to the next of kin, in this case, that would be Lana, who actually, as you know, declined an autopsy, the medical examiner decided to go ahead and perform one anyway. And it was a really close call. The cremation was scheduled for the following day, but they were able to get in just in time. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. As the officials awaited the toxicology report, they uncovered an incident from two years prior in 2016 that couldn't be ignored. On this night in 2016, while Steve was sleeping, Lana shot him in the back of the head with a crossbow. She told detectives she'd been, quote, trying to load a crossbow, but was having difficulty with it. So she went upstairs to find her husband, Steve, and the machine, quote, accidentally went off. Steve backed up her story, so nothing came out of the incident. But now with Steve dead, the crossbow incident couldn't be ignored. Meanwhile, the toxicology report came back. There was no drug use like Lana had predicted, but there were high levels of tetrahydrolazine, enough to be fatal. But what was the mystery poison from? Eye drops. Here's Jeff. Tetrahydrolazine, also known as THZ, is the main ingredient in Visine. Yes, eye drops. In the medical community, THZ is known as a Mickey. It's colorless, odorless, and tasteless. It can easily be put in someone's food or drink and cause them to become incapacitated. Medical experts have said it could be used for robbery or sexual assault. Using eye drops as poison has been seen in shows and movies like CSI and Wedding Crashers. In Steve's case, he had such a large amount in his system that it actually killed him. Which is impossible to imagine. And detectives wondered at this point if Steve maybe killed himself. So they brought in Lana and they wanted to interview her, hopefully to get some more insight. The police watched and recorded the meeting that she had with the coroner. Somebody one time told him that Bison would help him go to the bathroom and put like two drops in his coffee and then like go back. Now how long have you been doing that for? Years. This is nuts. Lana told the coroner that to have a proper bowel movement, Steve would put eye drops in his coffee like it was some sort of laxative. I have never heard of anyone doing this. It's also hard to believe that as a nurse, she would approve of this behavior, but that wasn't the strangest part of her interview. Let's go over the toxicology. There's a drug called tetrahydrolazine. It's surprising that she would immediately know what THZ was. Sure, she's a nurse, but this is a very obscure chemical, so obscure that the ME on the case had to look it up themselves. How would she have known what it was so quickly? At this point, the cops came into the interrogation. So I'm a detective with the York County Sheriff's Office. I'm just, 
overwhelmed, I'm sure, this man. Now listen, you are by no means in any trouble. We do want to ask you some questions. We have to read our Miranda rights to everybody, okay? You have the right to remain silent. Right now, the death is suspicious in nature. Did you make this coffee for him? No, he made his coffee. Everybody keeps asking me, you know, about the, the coffee, and I know they're wanting to know about the bodies in Yeah, but there's I only know. two people in the house. Well, yeah, I know. it was you and him. I know. Did he have any? He always had the bodies. Did he have any that day? I, that's what I don't know. You're in the nursing business, though. Wouldn't you know? the effects of it? Sure. I didn't think Visine was anything that would be serious to your, to your health. It makes sense that the cops are pressing her about this wild statement because it really doesn't add up. So what happened next? Lana then threw out a whole new story. She began saying that Steve was physically abusive to her and she accused him of having some sort of a mood disorder. And when the cops really pressed her, she immediately stopped the interview. The detectives ended up following her home and continued to talk to her. Back at the Clayton estate, Lana finally admitted that she had in fact slipped her husband the visine. The question remained, why would she do that to her husband? According to Lana, Steve was needy and demanding, constantly bossing her around. In a bout of anger, she squeezed an entire bottle of visine into Steve's drink. She admitted that while she wanted him to suffer, she didn't intend to kill her husband. Through it all, Lana stuck to her battered wife's story. She now said that the crossbow incident wasn't in fact an accident at all, that she had shot Steve in self-defense. It should be noted that no one could substantiate Lana's claims of abuse, and by all accounts, Steve was a gentle and kind man. We literally have heard nothing to the contrary. And after this big nighttime confession, after the nighttime confession, the cops left Lana at home and they went off to prepare an arrest warrant. And that night she actually attempted suicide. She tried swallowing pills and even turned on the gas. The next morning on August 31st, 2018, she was resuscitated. And once she was alert, she was charged with murder. The police's official theory was that this was no crime of passion or accident. They thought that Lana had been poisoning Steve for weeks. She started by slowly introducing the visine into his food or drinks and then quickly ramped it up. This would explain why Steve was bedridden. Remember, the room was a dirty mess. It didn't look like Lana had been taking very good care of him. The day he died, the cops believed that Steve had gotten some sort of rush of adrenaline and tried to escape. He made it to the bottom of the stairs where he collapsed and tragically died. Think about the fact that no one ever found his cell phone. Detectives believe that Lana hid it to prevent him from calling for help. Oof. The details are just hard to hear. And the motive, even worse, is the one that is as old as time. Money. Steve had a ton of money, apparently. And it seemed like this murderous plan started all the way back in 2016, when Lana convinced Steve to move from his home in North Carolina to South Carolina. And get this, the reason for that is because in South Carolina, if someone dies without a will, their estate automatically goes to the spouse, which in this case, of course, was Lana. And remember, Chris the nephew, he was really confident and positive that he had seen Steve's will. And now we're finding out that a neighbor had also seen Lana having a bonfire in the backyard the day after Steve died. It's believed now that she was likely burning his will. But this story gets even stranger. It seemed like the story was coming to a close. 
But three weeks later, just 12 miles away, a woman was found dead. Like Steve Clayton, the woman died of THC poisoning. At 32 years old, Stacy Hunsucker was a bright and bubbly mother of two. She and her husband were high school sweethearts, and Stacy worked as a preschool teacher. And her husband was a paramedic, and he worked in hospital planes. When Stacy died, it was initially ruled a heart attack. But when her husband, Josh, collected $250,000 in life insurance just two days after she passed, Stacy's mom reported insurance fraud. The detectives on that case uncovered that he had started dating a coworker very soon after Stacy died. Following Stacy's death, Josh had had her cremated and there was no autopsy performed. While all this didn't mean he was guilty of murder, it didn't make him look good. The insurance department called the cops, who then called the exact same detectives who worked on Steve's case. Obviously, the first thing they wanted to do was check the body. It had also been cremated, so that wasn't possible. However, luckily for investigators, Stacy was an organ donor, and they still had some kind of a vial of her blood remaining at the medical labs. It was enough to test, and sure enough, it was the same ingredient, THC, the chemical in Visine that was used to kill Steve. In court, the prosecutor explained details about Stacy's death and Josh's involvement. On September 23rd, 2018, uh, the victim in this case is Miss Stacy Hunsucker, the defendant's wife. Uh, she suffered some sort of uh, health issue at their home on, on that evening. Uh, she was taken to a local hospital, treated, and eventually succumbed to that health issue. Um, not much uh, happened in, in the uh, intervening few weeks or even months, uh, investigation-wise, but at some point, it was determined that a, a number of vials of blood were being held by a private company that handles tissue and organ donation that were taken from uh, the victim uh, prior to her cremation. Uh, Agent Morgan and the medical examiner uh, were able to get uh, a hold of that blood, have it tested, and it tested uh, very uh, high levels of tetrahydrosoline, which is one of the active ingredients in uh, certain eye drop uh, medicine that you would use to clear your eyes. Um, that we're told by our toxicologists and our cardiologists that uh, that medicine uh, has a, a dramatic effect on your heart and uh, would cause a heart stoppage or heart failure in a fairly short amount of time, which is consistent with what happened here. We have probable calls that he is the one who poisoned Miss Hunsucker with Visine or a similar product and caused her death. Uh, and uh, without saying too much, uh, quite a bit of our information we got from him during his interview. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that he would characterize it as uh, a confession, but it certainly approached uh, that level, Your Honor. There were so many similarities between these cases. The medical worker spouse, the death ruled a heart attack, the spouse pushing for cremation and no autopsy, money being the motive for possible murder. I wonder, did these two know each other? No, actually, cops think that Josh, he might have seen this report about Steve's death and decided to basically copycat that killing. But we don't know this for sure yet. On December 19th, 2019, Josh Hunsucker was charged with murder. 
He claims he's innocent and is out on bail and his case is ongoing. Again, innocent until proven guilty, but it's just interesting to see how some of these cases can cross over. And what are the odds that the same detectives who worked Steve's case are now also working this one as well? Let's stop here for another break. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? 
Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, Steph, back to the original case of Steve and Lana Clayton. The DA ended up offering her a plea deal, which she accepted. She pleaded guilty to tampering with Steve's food and drugs, and it ended up being a charge of voluntary manslaughter. At her sentencing, Lana maintained that she didn't mean to kill Steve, just hurt him. I did impulsively put the visine in Stephen's drink, and I did it with the intent to make him sick and uncomfortable. I was upset about the abuse and just wanted him to leave me alone. I never thought it would kill him. She actually told the judge that she had been sexually abused her entire life and that she was dealing with the trauma of that. All that to be said, no one could ever back those claims up. In court, Steve's loved ones spoke about their experiences with Lana and dealing with the loss of the kind and big-hearted man. Impassioned pleas like this from loved ones really can make a difference to the judge as he decides the sentencing. Please note that the friend pronounces her name Lana, but the correct pronunciation as we heard it is Lana. My mother was correct when she described Steve as the greatest friend that anyone could ever have. If Steve loved someone, we loved them too. When Steve and Lana married, we welcomed her with open arms. Lana Sue, as Steve lovingly called her, was a VA nurse from Oklahoma. And the vision of what a Lana Sue VA nurse from Oklahoma looked like is what we saw, sweet and good. We traveled together on vacations. We visited Steve and Lana in the mountains. We met in the middle to cheer on the Seminoles. We gathered in our hometown any chance we got. In the four and a half years they were married, I never saw Aunt Lana angry or greedy or unhappy in any way ever, ever. She told me she loved her job. She wanted to continue working until she could retire for be- with benefits. We always look forward to our times together. Lana and I were friends. Again, I never saw Lana be angry, greedy, or unhappy, never. I truly thought that Lana loved Steve and that their marriage was good. And now by her own confession, Lana had stated that she was a murderer who had planned and succeeded in taking the life of our dearest friend, our brother, Steve. Lana didn't kill Steve in a fit of passion. This was a deliberate, successfully executed plan on Lana's part. The comprehension of Lana's actions unleashed a flood of new pain. How long did Steve suffer? 
were the odd bouts of illness that Steve had been experiencing that year actually from Lana's poisoning? Was he trapped in his own house while he suffered and died? Was he trying to seek help when he went downstairs? <clears throat> Did he know he was dying? While we'll never know the answers to these questions, my heart and soul weeps for what this may have been like for Steve. Now, along with the incredible grief over the loss of our dearest friend, we are faced with the heinous deceit of this Enos evil murderer, who we thought was not only a good person, but whom we had also considered to be our friend. We had been completely fooled by Lana, and never have I been so fooled by anyone. Steve didn't have to die. Lana Sue Clayton methodically planned and murdered an exceptional man, Stephen Clayton. Lana took Steve's life took his life. As the judge handed down his sentence, he admitted that this was the strangest case he had ever presided over. This one probably takes a cake as far as being bizarre. What a tangled web we weave. Ms. Clayton, you sure have tangled this one up. He ultimately sentenced Lana to 25 years in prison, a time that Steve's family feel is not long enough. Shameless plug. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. And listen to season three of our hit series, The Piketon Massacre. New episodes air every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stay safe, lovers. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.